Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And on this episode, reviewing the new Knives Out film, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Technically a sequel to the first film, but not really a sequel. It's just kind of set in the Knives Out universe. So you don't have to watch the first one to understand the second one. They're completely different mysteries, completely different stories. Daniel Craig is the only character between the two yes. that um, connects. So yeah. so we will talk about Glass Onion on today's episode. Uh, first, though, we do have some news. Uh, congrats, I guess, to Nick Cannon had another child <laughs> with another woman. So, okay. I mean, we mm. just talked about this a month ago and I saw the article and I was like, wait, we just talked about that. Turns out it was another child. He's had five children uh, born in 2022. So last Jared, year, five kids born. <laughs> Jared, I've been chomping at the bit for this conversation because so I watched this. I only have one. No, four. <laughs> I said one and then changed it to four immediately. I have four Snapchat shows that I watch. And I know Snapchat's kind of like old now, but there's a couple that I like. And one is about celebrities. The other three are political. And I like it. It gives you little snippets of politics. Anyway, the celebrity one that I watch was like, let's stop talking about Nick Cannon. Don't pay it any mind. And I'm like, honestly, I normally agree with everything she says on the show, but mm -hmm. I was like, no, I cannot get on board. This is lunacy. This is not okay. It's just a bad example. I know I've already said what I needed to say about him and my thoughts on him in previous episodes, but the thing that just pissed me off this week was he said, my body, my choice. And I was like, no, no, Nick, no. You don't get to pull in Roe v. Wade, women's <laughs> rights, with your idiotic, I can't wear a condom. Get out of here with that. Stop it now. So I hate him more than I already did. Well, I don't want to start the year with hate, but you know what I'm saying. I think he's mm -hmm. an idiot. 12 kids. Are you serious? I don't even know how he got it all done on Christmas Day because I feel like he could have spent 20 minutes with each kid at each household and he probably got three more people pregnant that day. Yeah, probably did. So um, they had Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen had him on their New Year's Eve show. Mm -hmm. And I would guess after he did that, uh, you know, interview, he probably got another girl pregnant. So, you know, that's <laughs> what I would, he was getting ready to do some DJ set or something somewhere. So uh, man of many talents, I guess, Nick Cannon. So uh, next up, we have uh, a little bit of an update on Jeremy Renner. So Jeremy Renner is in the hospital right now. Uh, he was he was in Nevada at his house there, and mm -hmm. he was clearing driveways and then was involved in an accident with a snowplow. Um, so they're supposed to give more details on this accident um, just after we're done recording, unfortunately. Um, but what we Isn't know, that so, always the way? Yeah, that's always how it goes. Every time, there's uh, breaking news every time we fin it, we press done leave the podcast yes um but what we know so far is that he's still in the hospital under intensive care he's recovering from surgery after suffering blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries that's what a spokesperson uh told cnn and he's undergone two surgeries so far to address uh injuries he sustained in the accident so um, he was just helping people clear their driveway. There's not really a definitive word on actually how he got injured or what actually happened with the snowplow, but he was trying to help people out in Reno and unfortunately got injured by a snowplow and is in the hospital right now. So Yeah, uh, it just sounds like a freak accident. And yeah. it also doesn't sound like he was being an idiot. He's done this before because I mm -hmm. did read that, that he owns, he has the snowplow. He has this property. He's done this before. So it sounds to me like it was just kind of a weird accident. Yeah. Yep. 
So, and he was just trying to help out, I think, his neighbors, neighbors possibly. Yeah, um, I yeah think so. unfortunately, got, got injured. So, so um, sad. we'll keep an eye on Jeremy Miner, but hope he recovers uh, quickly and, and yeah. does well in the hospital. So, and then Barbara Walters also passed away at the age of 93. Yeah. Obviously, one of the most impressive journalists uh, we've ever seen, especially a female journalist. Yes. Um, and she was uh, a pioneer for women, especially in the, the journalism communication industry. And then you found a fun fact um, that in 1976, she was the first woman to co-anchor a national network evening news program. Yes. So. <laughs> and she she had such an interesting, I mean, I'm not like a, I don't know everything about Barbara Walters, but I've listened to a podcast about her and stuff. But she was really fascinating too, um, because she started as what they called a Today Girl. And it was kind of... Um, Basically, she was treated like women don't usually want to be treated in this day and age where like all you could you were known for being cute and bubbly and pretty. And she went from that and went into this career, this male dominated career. So it was really cool seeing the evolution of her career. And also, it seemed like she took every opportunity. So she wasn't like, I'm above being the Today Girl and all this stuff. She actually made a huge career out of it um, in a male dominated field. So very happy for her. Um so sorry that she died, but she did have a long, interesting, it sounds like mm-hmm. very fulfilling life. So, and I think she'd been ill for a while from what I understand. And was able to interview celebrities and get information out of them that a lot of other interviewers were not able to do if they were to interview that certain celebrity. It seems like whenever there was a Barbara Walters interview, she was just able to kind of get I don't know, get deeper with them or, uh, you know, have them uh, reveal more information than maybe they would in, a, in another conversation. So, yes, definitely. So with that, we have no corrections corner and our recommendations. We want to let you know we're going to be reviewing Damien Chazelle's Babylon coming up uh, next week. But we're recording both of these on the same night. So we did news on this one and we'll do recommendations on next week's episode. So now time to talk about Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery released on November 23rd in theaters. It was in theaters for a week uh, around Thanksgiving. Did not have a chance to go see it in theaters. Did not make it. Um, I feel like they should have done two weeks in theaters, like the week after Thanksgiving. I probably yeah. could have had time to go see it, but yeah. it was out by then. So, and then on Netflix, December 23rd, just a few days before Christmas, rated PG 13 for some violence, sexual material, drug content, and strong language. And then runtime is two hours and 20 minutes or two hours and 19 minutes, depending <laughs> on what you look at. Uh, friend of the podcast, Mandy is doing some research for us. She's our intern. She's researching, uh, <laughs> why the run times are different depending on which site you look at. She's so. going to love being called the intern so much. But yeah, Mandy, <laughs> if you all are interested, Mandy was on our episode about Midnight in Paris and is a good friend. And she she listens to every episode. And we've talked so much about these weird random run times and how they've changed lately. It didn't used to be like this, but now they're inconsistent. So she's on the case. So please stay tuned. And <laughs> when our intern completes her assignment, we'll let you know what's going on. And sometimes it's like a minute. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 10. Right. There's no rhyme or it's reason so why they vary. So yeah. yeah, I'm interested to find the answer uh, once yeah. she f- discovers that. So uh, IMDb is a 7.3 out of 10 for this one. Rotten Tomatoes, very high. Critics and audiences both liking it. It's at 93% with both critics and audiences for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. And box office wise, it made $13.2 million and it's a release. Again, it was only in theaters for a week. That's pretty good for being only in theaters a week to make $13.2 million. So that's not a bad number at all. Um, Obviously, 
Netflix wanted to. I think the reason for doing that is a couple of things. One, obviously, it has to run in theaters uh, in LA and New York for at least, I think, two weeks to be considered eligible for Academy Awards. Uh, but then also, they probably just wanted to drum up some buzz and get some positive word of mouth going before it did drop on Netflix. So smart move by them. But wish it was in theaters maybe a little bit longer because I, I definitely would have gone and seen it in theaters. So um, synopsis for this one. Benoit Blanc returns to peel back the layers in a new Ryan Johnson whodunit. This fresh adventure finds the intrepid detective at a lavish private estate, uh, private estate on a Greek island. But how and why he comes to be there is only the first of many puzzles. And this is directed by Ryan Johnson, who directed the first Knives Out. He's also directed Brick, The Brothers Bloom, Looper, and Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Next up, he will direct an untitled Star Wars uh, new trilogy for Star Wars. He's going to do Episode One of that trilogy. And then there's another Knives Out movie coming out. Um, Netflix purchased, I think, two of these when they when they bought the contract or whatever from whatever company had it. And directing a movie called Poker Face, which I have to assume is based on the Lady Gaga song. I mean, what else could it be? So <laughs> I can't tell if you're you're joking. Yes, I'm joking. Yes, I mean that would be fun. Like, I mean, I'll, I, maybe he's doing a Lady Gaga biography. I'm you so, know, that'd be that'd I am be great. so gullible. You could have. I probably would have believed that till the end of the episode. Really, <laughs> sometimes I hate that about myself. But yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, really? <laughs> no, I mean, sure, I'll, I'll watch a Lady uh, Gaga well, biopic. Why not? But, why not? So, okay, we'll take a break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast, just the large cast for this movie and our likes and dislikes for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. And we're back here on the show talking about Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Obviously, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, all the characters from the first one to the second one have changed. It's a completely different mystery with completely different people. But the one constant that will be the constant in all of these that they make is uh, Detective Benoit Blanc, who is pay- played by Daniel Craig. Thank you, Jared. And I did debate about a crush alert for Daniel Craig. I love the man, but he didn't make it. So we're we're not going to give him a crush alert on this one. Um, he is, of course, best known for Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, No Time to Die, and Knives Out, among many other projects. Um, of course, he is, I've reiterated many times, my favorite James Bond so far. Next up, you can see him in Purity and Knives Out 3, which is already in development, as Jared mentioned. Nice. Second up, we thank you. Second up, we have Janelle Monet. She plays Andy Brand. She is a singer, actress, and model. She is best known for acting in Moonlight, Hidden Figures, Annabellum, and Harriet. Some all-star movies there that um, I have been a big fan of, particularly Moonlight, Hidden Figures, and Harriet. Next up, I am so excited, Jared. I saw this and kind of squealed a little bit in the house last night. She is going to be in a TV series called De La Resistance, where she will portray Josephine Baker. And if those of you do not know Josephine Baker, she was a black ballet dancer. And kind of during the lost generation period of like F. Scott Fitzgerald and people, she was in Paris. She was one of the greatest dancers ever. And because she was African-American, like it caused quite a stir, but she was very respected as a dancer. So I am very excited to see that. Very cool. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So Yes. And then Edward Norton is the other person. I, I had trouble deciding who to kind of highlight for the film um, because there's so many 
fantastic actors in this, but Edward Norton, we don't get to talk about him a lot, so we might as well. He plays Miles Braun. He is known for Fight Club, Birdman, Primal Fear, American History X, Moonrise Kingdom, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Incredible Hulk. (laughs) I know a lot of people have thoughts on that one. He's been nominated for three Oscars for Birdman, American History X, and Primal Fear. Next up, you can see him in a TV miniseries called Sausage Party Foodtopia. I got to say, when I read Sausage Party, I didn't immediately think something about food, Um, but it is about food, (laughs) I think. And well, because I thought it was going to be a joke, like a bachelor party joke. I don't know. Um, And also, he will be in Asteroid City. So stay tuned for those. And here's hoping Sausage Party is about food. We will see. (laughs) <laughs> and then this movie, like I mentioned, has such a huge and variety of cast members, including Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Ethan Hawke, Hugh Grant, and many more cameos. And of course, one of those I will definitely talk about in our likes. Uh, we should also mention it's going to be hard to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers. Definitely. So those will probably come up. So if you haven't seen Glass Onion yet. I'll come back, listen to the rest of the episode after you've watched it. Um, before we get into likes and dislikes, though, I kind of wanted to get just your your overall thoughts, because I yes. thought this was interesting about this one, is the first one is obviously set in a house that's not a lot of locations. It's just yeah. kinda, It takes place kind of entirely in that house for the most part, except for a few scenes um, outside of that. The second one, you can obviously tell much bigger budget, much more lavish, way yep. more locations, way more special effects, um, you know. What did you think of that in general in terms of like it's the same you know concept obviously but it's like the two movies almost feel just so different based on you know how the first one was and the and the second one. Jared, you've already hit on I think probably the thing that stuck out to me the most that made me not as crazy about this film. It just felt to me like it was I'm not trying to ruin it and I hope people like continue mm-hmm. to listen cuz I have reasoning. But I just felt like this film was one of those ones where Hollywood, someone threw it a bunch of money and then they were like, let's just spend it all. And then they made a film and it wasn't bad. And the acting is great. And it's a cute, like it's a good mystery. But I just was like, wow, no, like we and I, I know I'm a hard sell on sequels. I totally get that. I was already going to be a hard sell, but I love those movies that we, I mean, we've talked about, I don't want to bore people. Like I really like one location films, but I think that that's what made, makes things that are scary even more intense is when you can't really leave the location that makes Mm -hmm. it more terrifying because you're like in a house with a murderer, which they are in this movie as well, but they could go, they ran outside, they ran through gardens. There were like ways to escape. And I know they were on an Island, which is intense, but there was plenty of places to run around, hide and stuff like that. And I felt like in the house in the first one, you couldn't do that. Yeah. Yep. The, I think the characters had way more interactions in the first one, kind of all the characters together than in this particular movie. So, um, we will get into our likes now though. Um, first, like off the top, we got to give a shout out to Angela Lansbury, who has a cameo in this movie. She's playing among us with Daniel Craig, um, (laughs) in the bath, Daniel Craig's in the bathtub. Uh, it's set during the pandemic, which we'll talk about a little bit as well, because that could be a like or dislike, depending on how you feel about movies set during the coronavirus. But uh, Angela Lansbury, this is her last on-screen role, too. So uh, it was very cool to see her. I mean, Jared, my eyes filled with tears. Um, (laughs) I know you didn't ask, but it needs to be said. I don't know what Among Us is. 
I heard somebody else talk about that being the cameo, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I've reached that age now that I'm a year older where I just like don't know. Um, but I don't know what that is. But she was so I love that she was wearing like a windbreaker sweatsuit. And she looked so lively. That woman was 90. She was days from being 97. And she looked so good. And she's just delightful. I love her. I'm not going to base like my score on this film on Angela Lansbury, but she gave it some points for me. Um, but she was just darling. And I mean, if that's going to be her last her last role, I'm happy with it. I'll take it. I love her so much. I miss her every day. <laughs> I really do. I went to a New Year's party at Mandy's and I even brought her up that day. I was like, man, 2022 was unkind. Like, Because we were talking about celeb deaths that destroyed us the most or will destroy us the most. And I was like, mm, Angela Lansbury, I think we all know. Um, so another like for this movie is obviously Daniel Craig is kind of the constant throughout all of these that they're going to make. He does a great job as the character of Benoit Blanc. Uh, he obviously has worked with Ryan Johnson on kind of how to develop that character and how to play that character. And it feels very much like nobody else could really play that character just based on how Daniel Craig has kind of made it his own. So, um, you almost don't see Daniel Craig in the role. You kind of almost, no. you know, you just see Benoit Blanc. So I think that's a testament to Daniel Craig and what he's been able to do and how he acts that character. Um, his voice inflection that he has, which is some odd kind of Southern accent Southern. going on. Uh, he has a lot of weird sayings he'll throw out there. So I just think he's really great in this in this role. Yes. Jared, you you said that beautifully. And I I don't want to upset anybody because I actually I think Janelle Monet is really talented. I, she's talent. She's multifaceted. I mean, she really is a jack of all trades. To me, I thought she did a great job. I can't say that Daniel carried the movie on his back, but I do think it was probably the two of them. But I want to agree with what you said, Jared. I think that Daniel disappeared into the character. And I think Janelle was kind of playing a character I've maybe seen a little bit and had parts of herself in it. At least the Andy portion, which don't want to spoil, but we've already said there's going to be spoilers. The twin, I saw a different portrayal than other characters mm -hmm. I've seen her play. Um, but as far as just being like a cool, suave, you know, coy, mysterious, rich woman, I felt like, well, that's not a lot different than what I've seen before, but she's very good at playing it. Um, another like is obviously the budget's been, as we said, stepped up for this one. So they're in Greece. It's they're on an island. The costumes are uh, fantastic. The locations are really pretty to look at. Um, everybody has a very distinct uh, wardrobe style in this movie, which yes. was kind of the case with the first one, but is mm -hmm. way more amplified in this one. Um, but all that looks really, really good on the screen. So Yes. And then I, I did think all the costumes and stuff were pretty, but I thought the locations were, was stunning. It's mainly one location. Um, but I will just to preface this, since we are recording at the same time, Babylon and Glass Onion, it was hard for me to not compare the two. To me, the costumes and stuff don't hold a candle to Babylon. I mean, like that's another class to me entirely, but I did think the location was beautiful. I really liked, I, I would never live in this house though. I thought it was gaudy AF. It was the glass everywhere. I'm not talking the onion part. I'm talking all the glass sculptures. I was like, this is the tackiest, grossest, gauche place I've seen in a long time. And I would never live here. Um, <laughs> but I liked how they set it up. I mean, I thought like, the bar cart was so unique. I felt like all the seating arrangements, everything he had in this house was really like beautiful. Like the set was beautifully done. Whoever did the props and the set design did a really good job. 
Um, also another like for this one is there's some more puzzles in this one, especially at the beginning of the movie. They all receive this invitation to go to Edward Norton's house, and that is in the form of a puzzle. So they're trying to solve that. Um, and there's it's really that sequence is kind of cool, but there's some other puzzles in this one as well, um, which I thought were were fun little elements to add, especially at the beginning of the movie. So. Yes, I don't really have much to add to that, but I did like the puzzles. I like the creativity of that. And I think that sets it apart from a lot of other mystery kind of movies. And it really seems to be a part of like Knives Out, the the franchise that they're building or whatever is really about like solving puzzles and solving mysteries in a way that a lot of movies don't do. Um, another like that I had was I thought the the cinematography was really good in this particular movie. Um, Ryan Johnson and his... Um, director of photography i don't know who that is on these movies but it's been the same person for both of them Mm. um but i really think that they had some really cool camera shots in this movie he talked about in that interview that i watched with him and joseph kaczynski about how hard these are to shoot because there's so many people that trying to get them all in a scene and figure out where you want to put the camera and who needs to be on screen at the you know what time or whatever um is one of the most difficult things that he has to figure out when he makes these movies so i thought he did a very good job in this one it was always very easy to tell um, who was speaking, who we should be paying attention to, um, and some, some cool camera shots as well. Like there's one scene where they're about to get on that boat and they're all like lined up in a diagonal line that you, mm-hmm. you see that one in the trailer, but that Good one's kind of cool. There's some other ones that I thought the, the editing while they were solving the puzzle was neat. How there's like three of them on the screen and then one would start talking and they'd like move more the, the screen to that person. So I just thought there were some cool visual things in this movie. So yeah. Um, another like is the person who gets murdered is really not the person you maybe expect to die. So that's all. I mean, a murder mystery should have twist obviously. And that's, that's a big one in this movie. So that was kind of cool because you think it's probably maybe going to be one person or maybe a couple of people that might bite the bullet, but, uh, it's actually the person you probably least expect. Well, and yeah. And also, so the spoiler here is it's not Edward Norton, but I think they did Mm -hmm. such a good job. I, I kept thinking also because I love mystery. So I was kind of being uh, exerting some hubris, exhibiting some hubris a little bit because I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. And I thought for sure Edward Norton would be like, let's play this mystery game. And then he was going to get murdered. And that wasn't what happened. And when the person did get murdered, I was shocked at who it was. Um, And I also didn't figure out how it happened or anything like that. And I really, I think that's maybe harder to do in books. I think in books, it might be easier to kind of figure those things out. But I love when a book or a movie like this actually does stump me and I don't figure it out. So they did a really good job with that. Um, And then two other things I kind of want to put together that I liked. I liked this genre of movie is one of my favorites. I really, and books too. I love mysteries, thrillers. I love psychological thrillers. This isn't that, but I I love kind mysteries. And I don't think that Hollywood makes a ton of them and they certainly don't usually make them well. So I do like that they're at least making more of this kind of film, but I I hope that they can kind of create new stories, new people, not just do knives out cuz to me the second one is already played out, but they're already doing a third. Um but what I wanted to point out in particular, the second part of that is I didn't feel like this was campy. And what I mean by that is I love Clue. I love the movie Clue from the 80s. Such a good movie. A lot of people like it. It's kind of a cult classic. But I feel like that one is kind of easier to make fun of. And this, I feel like, is not. I think, like, the acting is good. The story is good. And it's not just it's not just caricatures and making fun of people 
you know, it's not like you know mm-hmm. all of these people and see them in everyday life. So I think they did a really good job in, in that Baird mentioning. Um, yeah. And then another like, obviously, is that um, it, this movie isn't super campy. Um, and also you mentioned like it being on Netflix. That's a nice option as well to be able to watch it and to be able to stream it. So and I just typed to Katie in the chat. I said, I just realized there's no knives in this movie. What the heck? So because right, there were in the first one. They sit in that whole ch- that chair that the is chair, completely knives. Yeah. Someone tries to stab. <laughs> yep. Um, Anna. Yeah. Yep. So not wow. really any knives involved in this one, though. Um, okay. So before we move to dislikes, mm-hmm. I had two things I wanted to, to bring up. One, how do you feel, first off, about the, the pop culture references? Obviously, this one has them. The last one did not. I think sometimes those, when you look back on a movie in maybe five or ten years, yeah. those do not land as well. Um, yes. And I think it can date your movie. And I think that this particular one has a lot of them. And I could see it. If you watch this in five years, you'd be like, that's kind of cringy. Huge dislike. Really glad you asked that question. <laughs> I didn't even put that. But when you brought up earlier about um, COVID, the pandemic stuff, mm-hmm. in my my personal preference would have been to not have the COVID references and to not have the pop culture references. I couldn't agree with you more that it dates a movie. And some of that, I agree with a lot of they said, like the people they pick on, the politics, all that. I'm not in disagreement, but it, it's tired. The joke is played out. I'm over it. Um, and also the COVID stuff too. I mean, we're, we're on the other side of it now. It is not by any means perfect. People still get sick. We have a lot of that, the try stuff happening now, like three different diseases at once we're having or viruses, whatever you, you know, the correct term, I'm not a doctor. Um, but I think at some point we have to stop being like, remember that time when we all wore sweatpants and couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. How could we forget? Literally, how will we ever forget? We will not forget. So I don't need every movie to be mentioning it. And I don't even think they filmed this during the height of it. So I was like, why are you even making... If it was something where they were trying to work in the we had to wear masks at work thing into the movie, fine. But I don't think they did. So yeah, I thought that was... All of that joke and the politics and stuff, all of that is played out and tired, in my opinion. Yeah, my other thing was going to be COVID that I was going to ask about. So yeah. I the only time that I that I thought it was interesting was when they all show up on the dock because I think how they treat it was interesting for their characters. Yes. So yes. like Daniel Craig, mask over, mouth and nose. Catherine Hahn's character she's chaotic her mouth her mask keeps falling down over her nose she yeah. keeps trying to pull it back up kate hudson's mask is literally uh see-through breathable um and she's yeah. like can we hug we can we can hug right and you know yeah. so um yeah i just thought that was the only scene where it was really relevant but again it take it's something that every person in america experienced when it happened um so i don't know like you said we use entertainment to kind of get away from things happening in the real world so when entertainment reminds us of things happening in the real world it kind of takes you out of it so um that would have been a a dislike for me so um some more dislikes for this movie um the beginning was definitely kind of clunky um in terms of the beginning of the first one is so good in the terms that you find out somebody's been murdered they're all at this house they're all already there they've except for chris evans um but they've all arrived they're all having discussions they're getting interviewed by benoit blanc and lakeith stanfield's character and the you know detectives in that movie Um, this one definitely felt kind of odd from the beginning in terms that we didn't get into the mystery right away which was was weird 
Yes. I so I I talked to someone about this movie and I don't think they agree. I felt like from the beginning I was like this is making me uncomfortable. I'm already not in this and I it was I was going to continue to watch it of course because of the podcast but I was like man I really hope they turn this around because 15 minutes in I was already like I'm done. And that was actually I mentioned the Netflix thing um that was kind of a dislike. I was saying like I am glad I could stream this cuz I think I would have been upset to see this in theaters and pay for it. I don't know. I didn't hate it. I'm just saying like this to me should have been a streaming movie. Um but okay, so you know how you can get into um I don't even know quite how to say that they did it in the first one, but you know how in a book or anything, if you read a series, they always have to reintroduce the people if you're just now joining the series. So they'll be like, like right now I'm reading about Stephanie Plum, Janet Ivanovich reads those, writes those mm-hmm. books. They're great. So they have the same characters. There's Ranger, there's Lula, there's Joe Morelli. There's people that show up over and over. If you open the 29th book, which is the one I'm reading, there has to be some sort of like reintroduction of characters. That's fine. She does a good job of like, she... The, the author, Janet Ivanovich, she does it quickly, concisely. She gives you the information you need and she gets out of there. Because you don't need to go, well, in the first book and 10 years ago yeah, and my yep. grandma, you don't have to do that. I felt like this movie at the beginning did nothing but that. They were like, here's the context and we know this person and I know this person. And in the first movie, what I thought they did was great. That was great. When Benoit goes to interview them all, you find out their relationships, but it's a natural, organic conversation. It's like, oh, that's my sister-in-law. She's crazy. Yeah. It's or, a way to oh, like advance the, the story, which it's yeah. not doing in this one. So Yes, yeah. there's a way to share information that people need and context that people need without dumbing it down so that the audience like kind of gets it. Yeah. Um, I had some other dislikes for this movie. I thought Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr.'s character was literally doing nothing. Thought we could have cut him from the movie, and he was. Mm. I mean, it wasn't really a player in the mystery. He was. He yeah. was just there. He didn't have a ton I love of lines. Him, yeah, but, uh, but agreed. And it it also was sad because he is a person who he is a person of color, and mm-hmm. he didn't have as big of a role as some of the other people. When I feel like that was kind of a throwaway, and they. You know, if anything yeah. else, they could have they could have done that to somebody else. Um. So another dislike for me, this is obviously a spoiler too, is that mm-hmm. I felt like in this one it took forever for us to get the actual mystery started. So yes. the beginning, they go to Edward Norton's house, like I want to do this murder mystery game, and I bought Benoit Blanc here because he's the best person solving mysteries. And then they sit down at the dinner table, and in a funny scene, he lays it all out, and Daniel Craig's character is like, "She did it with this, and this is why." And that's, you know, and so you're like, okay, well, that's obviously not the murder and, you know, the mystery anymore, but what is going to be? And then you have yeah. Dave Bautista's character that dies. And then you find out Janelle Monet's it's actually her twin. And I just, and then there's like this 20 minute sequence with Daniel Craig and Janelle Monet where they do all this exposition about why she's even here in the first place and how this all got. I just thought that was such a weird place to put that in the movie. It takes you out of it for such, it's a, they go completely different. They go away yep. from the house. I just yep. did not like that at all. I thought that was very clunky script writing, storytelling in terms of this should all kind of set up naturally and should just kind of build to a conclusion but you know we have this happen and then it's like oh we get to shoehorn this other story mystery in um and then get back to what was actually happening in the present day i just thought it was uh, and then making her have a twin was i thought like kind of a lazy cop out for a for a mystery type movie so Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I just didn't really like the, the actual mystery in this one. So I didn't hate the twin thing, but I will say that was when I started to get interested. Like, okay. but it's sad that it took, it took 45 minutes or mm-hmm. something for yep. me to be like, Ooh, now I was interested when Edward Norton was explaining, this is how we're going to play the game. And they're around that long, like oval table. Like I was scared. Cause I thought mm-hmm. for sure I was like, oh, the murder's yep. about to happen. That was scary. That was exciting. Um, yeah, the twin thing. I think the twin thing could definitely be a cop out. I went with it. I would say that wasn't the thing that bothered me the most. What bothered me the most, and I don't know if you feel this way, Jared, I felt like many of the characters were just doing parodies of themselves. Kate Hudson is number one. Actually, Kate and uh, what's his name? I wanted to say Miles Teller. Miles oh, Braun, Edward, which is Edward Norton. Yeah, I feel like he's I, playing Elon Musk. Like, well, and I also feel like he's yeah. playing himself. I mean, I yeah. think people, I don't know much about Edward Norton. I don't hate the man, but I never really hear good things about him either. And the character he's playing is kind of what I've heard rumblings that he's like. And maybe he's not. But to me, yeah, I thought he was Elon Musk and himself. And then Kate Hudson, I do think everybody raves about her and when she played Penny Lane. And she she is a good actress. And wow, she's beautiful. Beautiful. But and I really like her. I think she's somebody that is so easily likable. But I also thought this isn't even acting. I feel like they were like, Kate Hudson, if you could just be in this movie and like play Kate Hudson, we'd really appreciate it. And that's not acting. And that's not a challenge. And I didn't like it. And I feel like most of the characters were doing that. We're just playing a version of themselves or a joke of themselves. And that's not funny to me. Um so really the only person I thought is a wholly original character that I was like, wow, was once again, Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I would agree. So, and I think the difference between this movie and the first movie, obviously the first movie is like all one family. And I think that adds a different dynamic to it. Whereas this one is like yes. a random group of people. Um, and yeah. I just think the actors they chose for the first one were, were better. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, they Tony were. Collette, Christopher Chris Plummer, Evans. Um, Chris Evans. I Lana liked that. Darmus. Anna de Armas was the one who was kind of the one we were following the most, but she was kind of more of an unknown actress at that time when that movie came out. So I think that worked very well for the mystery part of things because you don't know much about Anna de Armas just as a human being. This one, these all these actors are so prominent, um, like Dave Bautista and and like you said, Edward Norton and Kate Hudson. Like you instantly recognize them that I felt like it just didn't. It took you out of it more. So. Yeah. And I, I'm not like, I, I, that's all I had for dislike. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I was really conflicted about how to score this and everything because I feel like people are raving about it or they, or there was so much talk leading up to it that it feels like they were raving about it before seeing it. But ultimately I just felt like this was kind of like probably a one-time watch for me. And it doesn't like bottom line, it doesn't hold a candle to the first one for me. I love the first one. Yeah, I just I didn't think either that the Daniel. So Daniel Craig in these movies is kind of like us as the audience. He's the one that's getting things explained to him and explaining things to other people, aka kind of you know doing that so that we as the audience know what's going on. But I thought that his every in each of these movies he's had a big scene where he kind of like solves the crime. And I thought in this one, it just wasn't as good as the one in the first one. I thought the first one, I had a lot more moments of, oh, and oh, okay, aha, I understand that now. But this one, I had a few, but I just thought overall, it was, you know, it just wasn't as tight as the first one. This one's also longer, I think, than the first one. So 
um, which the the length of this time this one is not outrageous by any means. Um, actually, it's it's that's only about ten minutes longer. So take the back; it's not really that that much longer. But um, I, yeah, like you said, I just think the first one is so so good and uh, so concise and is interesting the whole time. And this one just really wasn't for me. So yeah, yeah. Okay, on to our scores. Uh, who goes first on this one? Oh, I... I think it might be me. Let's go it, with you. Okay, Ooh, okay. But that means I have to go first on Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, All right. I'm going to I'm gonna give this like a... I know we've talked about it. I think I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to give it like I a 70, 73 out of 100. So That's what I did. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> that is so, exactly... And I changed okay. it while we were talking to 73. Three. So both but you of know us, what? 73s, I, yeah. I always feel better when we score the same. That really says something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think we shouldn't... I want to say too, this is not a bad movie by any means. No, how we dislike it more top, than the first one. Yeah, it's but, a top movie I've seen this year. Yeah, but, but the first I one just, is probably one of my favorite movies of the last ten years. Like exactly, it would exactly be like exactly. a ninety-nine. So yes. yeah, and yep. it was such an original concept. It was such mm-hmm. a unique cast of characters. They didn't hit a false note. It was so good. The costuming, the music, everything was so good in the first one, and I just don't know why they did this and it it just fell very short of my expectations yeah. i am i am interested to see what the third one does um i think if they go even bigger i think that's the wrong move i think definitely it to kind of tone back and go smaller and yep. be set in one location or with the, like a family again or something like that i don't know so yeah um, but yeah I, it'll be interesting to see who gets cast in the third one but i just think this one is a little the critics and the audiences are loving this which i find just a little surprising based Me on too. It's, it's not as it's not as good as the first one so yes i'm shocked by that too. and i again 73 isn't bad and you guys my i, I don't even know <laughs> you should take my scoring with a grain of salt, I like to think I explain myself better than my scoring does or my letterbox does because it is kind of all over the place and I recognize that. But I do think like this is a movie that I enjoyed. But when I look at some of the other movies I've seen this year, this just it was fine. It was just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, much but it. But I'm shocked. So. I'm shocked by the critics. I have to say I, I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, that's they loved weird. it. So yeah. Okay, well, you can find the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook, and you will find us there. And our letterbox profiles are in the description for the show notes. So you can scroll down in your podcast listening app of choice and click on our uh, profiles for Letterbox if you'd like to follow us there. If you don't know, Letterbox is a social media website that's just movies. So uh, you can rate movies on there, make lists, all kinds of other fun stuff. So, um, And then on our next episode of the show, we will be reviewing Damien Chazelle's Babylon um, with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Lots to talk about with this movie. Um, so much. There's a there's a ton. Uh, I can un- I can totally understand why some people are not liking this at all. Definitely. I can understand why some people are loving it. So we will discuss that on our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.